Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Well, good morning, church. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning, whether you're a church family or whether you're visiting for the first time. Man, we are blessed and encouraged that you would consider uh, the mantle and the anointing that's on the ministry of Capital Church important enough that you would tune in for an hour or so that you might be encouraged in the Lord today and also that you would give us an opportunity to challenge you in your faith by the preaching of the word. Uh, On behalf of uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Kelly Wild, our lead pastors and the rest of our church staff, we're again so glad that you would join us today. For those of you who might not be familiar with me in this online setting, my name is Mark Thornton. And uh, the most important things that you need to know about me is that I am a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian, but uh, that's who I am. But I have a couple of assignments or roles that I fulfill in this particular season of life. And the most important of that would be uh, the role of a husband and then that of a father, of a pastor, of a servant and of a friend. But I love Jesus, and so uh, we could have just stopped right there. I'm uh, just excited to be here with you today, and I hope that this message finds you blessed. I hope that this message finds you healthy. I know we've got health crisis going on all around, but I hope that you're healthy, and I hope more than anything that you're encouraged. And I know with all the adversity that's happening in the world around us today, you might feel like it's hard to be encouraged, but Let me remind some of you and maybe inform others what Jesus spoke to his disciples at the end of chapter 16. Uh, He's finished his time ministering to his disciples and kind of uh, reaffirming all of the things that he taught him while he was walking on earth with them. And then at the end of the chapter, around verse 33, he he says this. He says that all of this, I have told you all of this, all of this, so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, unshakable and assured and deeply at peace. For in this world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He says he wants us to be unshakable and assured. And you know, as believers, I believe that we not only need to be reminded on a regular basis that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding, but I believe that we need to example that truth in the way that we live so that the world around us can experience that same peace and that same hope even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Uh, There's something in the Bible about us being salt and light, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But my hope and my prayer for everyone that is listening to me right now is that in spite of all the chaos and in spite of all the adversity that's going on around you, that you would remain encouraged that God is in control. And also, most importantly, that your actions would reflect this mindset. Let's pray as we dive into the word. Father God, again, we thank you that you're an awesome God and a faithful God, and we're grateful for this and other opportunity that you've given us, that we can come together as the people of God, Heavenly Father, to hear and ponder and consider the truth of your word, Heavenly Father, and that we would purpose to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, Heavenly Father. And so as you speak, God, 
I pray that you would help me to get out of the way that you might be able to articulate whatever it is that you desire to say through this message. And I pray that you would give us all ears to hear and a mind to understand, a heart to receive, and then a faith and a boldness to walk out whatever it is that you speak through me today, Heavenly Father, that you would be glorified and that we would be blessed and that the enemy of our destiny would be put on notice, Heavenly Father, that we are doing mighty things in the name of God. And we love you, we bless you, and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this morning, I want to talk about the principle of perspective, the principle of perspective, or maybe we'll call it living a life with a kingdom perspective. Now, the word principle is defined as a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. You, you can Google that, but I want to say it one more time. The word principle is defined as a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. And the word perspective is defined as a mental outlook or a way of regarding situations, facts, and judging their relative importance. Uh, perspective is also defined as the proper or accurate point of view and the ability to see something objectively. And unfortunately for us in the church and for the world, I believe, and this could be my opinion, but I believe that there are too many Christians who don't have or at least the evidence would support that there are too many Christians who are not living their lives based off of a kingdom perspective or a biblical worldview. If you tuned in a couple weeks ago, you heard Pastor Ken uh, share some numbers from a survey that says only 9% of Christians have a biblical worldview. Only 9%. That's, that's unfathomable to me. As a Christian, now watch this. Again, this could be my opinion, but as a Christian, if you say you believe in the infallible word of God, yet you don't process life's situations in light of what the Bible says, can you really say that you're living with a kingdom perspective? Now, I'm not questioning our position in Christ or your position in Christ, but I am asking if that position is changing the way that you talk and the way that you walk. I, I do know this. If you had limitless amounts of money, your bank account was just overflowing, you didn't have to worry about bills, it would change the way that you shop. You wouldn't worry about the price tag of a particular object, you'd buy it because you knew that you have enough money to pay for that. That's perspective. We have limitless resources within the kingdom of God, but it seems that too often we don't live like we have those resources. So here's the principle of perspective. You ready? Where you sit, determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. Where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. This is the principle of perspective. Now, they call Boise the city of trees, but if you're standing in downtown Boise and you're looking around, you're probably thinking that somebody mislabeled the, the city. But if you were to get out your drone and you were to fly over the city, or if you don't have a drone, maybe you just fly in on the airplane and you look over the city, you would have a different vantage point and you would be able to see why they call Boise the city of trees because it is full of trees. Having a different vantage point gives you a different perspective of things. Where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do. Now, 
in my capacity of serving the Boise State football team, I get the opportunity and the privilege to stand on the sidelines. And, and that's cool until we get to about November and then it starts getting cold. Now, every year when November hits, I, I think to myself, I'd much rather be spending the majority of the game sitting where the offensive and defensive coordinators sit. Now, if you don't know anything about the game of football or how things are run, the offensive and defensive coordinators are generally seated in elevated spaces, in a warm space, I might add, but they're up there in the press box and they're not on the sidelines. Now, it's not that they don't want to stand on the sidelines with the rest of the team in the cold. It's that they're seated, they're seated in elevated spaces so that they can have a different perspective of what's going on on the field. So having that elevated position for them dictates the calls that they are sending down to the sidelines, right? Now, the player in, in, in the game or the, the position coach even might not like the call that has been sent down or the play that has been dialed up, but it's generally because they're not seeing what the offensive and defensive coordinator is seeing because they're in a different position. Where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. So here's a couple of points for you. You won't always understand what somebody is doing if you're not seeing what they're seeing and if you're not sitting where they're sitting. Does that make sense? You won't always understand what somebody is doing if you aren't seeing what they're seeing and if you aren't sitting where they're sitting. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think that some of the rules and some of the regulations and some of the instructions that my parents would give me were kind of overbearing. Ah, that's not necessary. But once I became a parent, I understood why some of those rules and some of those regulations and why some of those instructions were being given to me because I transitioned from being a child to a parent where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do. Now, uh, I've been on staff here for 23 years and uh, when I started out just as a worship leader, we've got great worship services. There's just an anointing on the house and I used to think, man, we should just worship for like two and a half hours, about three and a half hours because this is, this is the best thing going on today. But that was my perspective because I was just a worship leader. Now, our senior pastor at the time was like, Mark, we can't worship for two and a half hours. I'm thinking, why can't we? He's like, because the children's workers can't handle the kids for two and a half hours. We've got to give some announcements. We've got to let people go. But see, I wasn't seated in the place of authority or the place of having to see the big picture. So I was only worried about one particular aspect. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. Now, the Bible says that when you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Christ, it says your seat changed. In Ephesians chapter two, verse six, it says this. It says, God raised us up from the dead along with Christ. And we are not we are one day going to be not we were. But it says and we are seated with him in heavenly realms. That's our position. And it says, all because we are one with Christ Jesus, we've been seated, we are seated in the heavenly realms because we are one with Jesus Christ. Again, this is not past tense. This is not future tense. This is present tense. We are. In John chapter 17, after Jesus has been telling the disciples and he's preparing them, he's getting ready to leave. And he's like, you know what? You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. But don't worry about it. I've got the whole world in my hands. He didn't really sing that song, but that's what he was trying to uh, confirm to the disciples. But in verse 14 of chapter 17, he tells us that though we are in the world, we are not 
of the world. Though we live in the world, we are positioned in this world, we are not of the world. Technically, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We might be positioned more closely to the people down here, but where we are seated, our position spiritually is that we're seated in heavenly places. So as a believer, you're spiritually seated in heavenly places and you're operating in a different reality. And again, because that scripture in Ephesians is present tense, not past tense, this perspective should cause you to process differently and thus live differently than people who don't understand or adhere to a kingdom perspective or a biblical worldview. And see, I think it's important for you to understand this when you're dealing with God, because the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're different than our thoughts. But I love this. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 also says that we have the mind of Christ. You have no excuse. We have no excuse as citizens of the kingdom not to have a kingdom perspective. And I believe that our perspective and I believe that our actions should reflect the position that we have in Christ. Amen. So here's a question for you. Are you looking at your life? Are you looking at your circumstances? Are you looking at your problems based on what you're able to do? Are you looking at your life and looking at your problems and looking at your circumstances and situations based on what God is able to do? What's your perspective? Do I see all the trouble in the world going on around me and, and, and think that, man, we're, we're, we're not going to make it? Or do I look at the problems and put the word of God into effect? I would submit to you this morning that if you're looking at and trying to solve the issues that we are experiencing today with earthly solutions, then you're not living with a kingdom perspective. The Apostle Paul, he gives us an example of how this perspective impacts our lives. And in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, you guys all know the scripture. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I think that a lot of people don't put the verse in, in the right context, because in verses 11 and 12, Paul says this. He says, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then you get the conclusion of a kingdom perspective that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. In your relationship with Christ, is this the conclusion that your perspective brings you to? Man, I know there's trouble, but with God, I can handle it. Man, I know there's adversity and I know that there's chaos, but with God, I can handle it. A kingdom perspective always inserts the will of God and the word of God into the problem and allows that to be how we handle the problems. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a kingdom perspective. They're like, well, if you throw us in the fire and Jesus don't save us, then we're going to be with God in heaven. But we believe that Jesus is going to save us, so do what you need to do. The kingdom perspective allowed them to live a kingdom reality. Daniel served under at least five wicked administrations in Babylon, and he still did great exploits for the Lord in spite of the adversity, all because he lived 
with a kingdom perspective. King David wrote in Psalm 23, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is a kingdom perspective. And the Bible also gives us the story of a man named Job who uh, experienced more undeserved adversity, obviously, than anyone ever has. And in Job chapter 2, Job chapter 2, his wife, the person that was most close to him, tells him, look, Job, you should just curse God and die. That's not a good wife. But even his friends on Facebook and his followers on Twitter and his followers on Instagram, they were making fun of his commitment to his pursuit of God in the midst of all the adversity. And they were telling him he should just quit. But Job never wavered in his perspective that God was ultimately in control. Are you looking at your situations? Are you looking at your problems? Are you looking at your circumstances and trying to deal with them in light of what you're capable of doing? Or are you trying to deal with them in light of what God is capable of doing? I believe that it's vitally important that we understand that our perspective or our expectations shape what we believe and what we're willing to believe. Our perspective, our expectations should determine or how we interpret our experiences, how we behave in response to those experiences, as well as how we relate to others. Your thoughts and your actions are conditioned by your perspectives and your expectations. Let me say that again. Your perspective or expectations shape what you believe and what you're willing to believe. How you interpret your experiences and how you behave in response to those experiences, as well as how you relate to others. Your thoughts and your actions are conditioned by your perspectives and your expectations. And here's the significance of that. Whenever you have an expectation that's not grounded in reality, you will inevitably have frustration. Let me say that again. Whenever you have an expectation that's not grounded in reality, you will inevitably have frustration. See, you always find frustration where you find a failed expectation. Now, I believe that one of the biggest reasons why we are frustrated in our nation right now is because we're expecting the culture to change the problems that we're dealing with. The culture can't change the problems. According to the word of God, only God is able to make a difference. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We're not going to change the culture with the same mindset and the same opinions that the culture currently holds. We need to implement a kingdom perspective. See, I believe that perspective is everything. And a kingdom perspective is the only way that we're going to experience the goodness of God. It really is the key to our success. Now, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now and I've experienced enough adversity in my life to realize and confirm that sometimes it really takes trouble to reveal to you what type of commitment that you have to God. It, it takes trouble sometimes to reveal to you what type of commitment you have to God. And dealing with the man, I tell him all the time, I believe the reason why God allows some things in our life is because we wouldn't pray if we didn't have these problems, if we didn't have these situations. And understand this, the enemy will use your adversity to call into question the existence of God and the goodness of God. And this is why faith is so important. Now, understand this, faith doesn't deny reality. Faith doesn't deny the problems. It doesn't look the other way. What faith does is that faith believes that God can change the situation or God can change me. 
kingdom perspective. God will either change the situation or God will change me. I don't have a lot of time, but you saw me leading worship. And what's amazing about that, what you probably don't know, I just went to the doctor last week. And after my surgery, I've, I've, I've got a paralyzed vocal cord. Now, I never believed the doctor's diagnosis. I didn't believe that God had brought me this far just to leave me standing here. But if he did, I'm like, he's going to anoint me with something else so that I can still be of service, so that I can still be of use to the body of Christ. But you saw me leading worship. So in spite of, in the face of adversity, in the face of a bad diagnosis, what I did was put my faith into action. And my perspective says, you know what, God, whatever I have, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, we got problems, but we got God. Come on. We have a God who has proven himself time and time again to be bigger than our problem and bigger than our circumstances. I believe that our problem is living like we believe that God is bigger than the problem. See, the gospel is called good news because the gospel, the gospel allows you to rise above every circumstance. Now, I've told you many before, if you're listening uh, for the first time, I haven't told you, but I've, told, I've said this many times that the Jesus you settle for is the Jesus you get, or the God that you settle for is the God that you get. We can look around at all the chaos, we can look around at all the adversity, but I, I, wanna, I want you to be careful. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. See, the doctor tried to put a period on my sentence, telling me that this vocal cord was, was paralyzed, but I believe that it was just a comma. It was just a pause. So I'm going to live my life. I'm going to order my life. I'm going to structure my life with a kingdom perspective because God is able. And because perception determines reception, your perception of a thing your de determines your perception of a thing. And because an unbiblical worldview limits you from experiencing the fullness of the promises of God, I want to encourage you, change your perspective so that it aligns with the word of God. Change your perspective so that you can experience the peace and the joy and the strength and the blessings that come from being in a relationship with the Savior of the world. Now, let me say this as we get ready to wrap this up. Living with a kingdom uh, perspective is not just important so that you can experience the goodness of God. Our assignment as kingdom citizens is to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And right now the world is experiencing a shaking like never before. But Hebrews chapter 12 verse 27 tells us that the purpose of the shaking is to remove everything that can be shaken. So only that which can't be shaken remains. Ah. Uh -huh. You thought that in following Christ, you weren't going to experience any shaking. You will. But the Bible says you don't have to be shaken if you remain in the kingdom, because the kingdom of God is the only thing that can't be shaken. So in the midst of all the shaking, in the midst of all the chaos, I want to encourage you that if you purpose to cultivate and live a life with a kingdom perspective, not only will you flourish, but you will also positively impact the world around you. Where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do. So in closing, if you're, if you're listening to this message today and you would say, you know, Mark, maybe I haven't been operating with a kingdom perspective, especially concerning all of this adversity and chaos that's going around me going on around me, I've got great news for you. God ain't mad at you. The Bible says his grace is sufficient. 
His love endures forever. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and nothing that can cause. You know, this is what I love. There's nothing that the enemy can whisper in God's ear to cause him to think differently about us. And so I want to encourage you, maybe if you haven't been operating with a kingdom perspective, today is a good day to switch that mindset so that you can experience the fullness and the power of the blessings and of the word of God and the wisdom of God. And so I, I want to pray for you right now and uh, just, to, just to encourage you that this is going to be an amazing week of you living with a kingdom perspective. Hallelujah. Father God, again, we thank you that you are an awesome God and that you are a faithful God, Heavenly Father. And I pray, God, for everybody under the sound of my voice, Heavenly Father, that you would give them a new perspective, Heavenly Father. And along with that new kingdom perspective, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would allow us all to experience the fruit that comes from having that perspective so that not only we would be blessed, Heavenly Father, but we could be the light to the world that you've called us to be, Lord. Your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we believe, God, that you've called us to be the vessels which the unsaved people and that the world can taste and experience your goodness, Heavenly Father. And so we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the gift of repentance that you've given us, Heavenly Father, that we can turn our minds towards you, that we can turn our thoughts towards you, and that we can give you the opportunity to move in our lives, Heavenly Father. And so we love you again, God, and we're grateful just for your presence in our lives. We're grateful for the reality, Heavenly Father, that we are blessed to be a blessing, Lord. And so, God, I just pray that you would speak to every heart, speak to every mind, speak to every spirit and show them, Lord, how you would have them to walk and live with a kingdom perspective. Amen. And also, if you're listening today and you would say, you know, Mark, I'm not a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm not really in a relationship with Christ. Man, I'd like to pray with you today also so that you might change the reality of your position, that you could change your story. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. And, and today, I, I'd like you to join the family of faith. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And our hope, our prayer is that your story. So uh, if, if, if you'd like, I just want to have everybody pray that prayer with me. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you would just repeat this prayer with me. Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that I might have a relationship with you and life everlasting. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your grace and your mercy. And I ask you, God, to be the Lord of my life and to deposit in me your precious Holy Spirit. I believe I am now a new creation in Christ, seated in heavenly places. Thank you for new life in Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining in this morning. And I pray that you would have an amazing week in the Lord and that you would go out and live with a kingdom perspective.